Welcome back to episode 13 of Airport Adjacent. And I want to spend a little bit of time today talking a little more about me because I've got a lot of people that I originally intended um, listening to this that were mostly clients. And as much as I like my clients listening to it, I've found I'm getting a lot more audience members and feedback and stuff now from people who don't really know who I am, but are hearing feedback from me and are hearing tips now. And it might make a little more sense to give you a little bit more information about exactly who I am and and why I'm sort of qualified to do what it is that I'm doing with the feedback for businesses and small businesses and salespeople and things like that. So I want to start way early in what it is that I sort of am and who I am because I think it's important for you to know. Because I come from a family of five kids and the five kids that uh, were in the family, I'm the second oldest. And so I have a sister that's a couple years older than me and then a uh, brother that's the same age as I am every year actually for two weeks and then two other younger brothers than that. So uh, sort of the oldest boy in the family and always looked at as the person that should be the most responsible. It was always up to me to be the one that led my other brothers, that provided protection for my sister, uh, those sorts of things. But the odd thing about the household I grew up in is unlike a lot of other homes that have dysfunction in one way or another, we seem to have it in all areas. So I was told out of one side of my uh, dad's mouth to respect women and act a certain way and chivalry rules and all those things. And then on the other side, I would see abuse and neglect and lots of bad, unsavory things that actually ended up landing my dad in prison by the time I was 11 and a half to 12 years old. Now, uh, that wasn't the first time he'd been in prison, but that was the last time he would go to prison uh, before he ended up passing away. But he did things uh, that uh, messed with small businesses, messed with immigrants, and just did things that I immediately knew I wanted to use as a caveat to say, these are the things I never want to be in my life, is someone who abuses and uses other individuals in this way. And he ended up in jail after about two years uh, passing away. And he had uh, cirrhosis going into jail, so his liver didn't function as well as it should. Being neglected, some typical things you're typically neglected in jail. He just, uh, on a diet he was on, bled internally while he was sleeping in jail one night. And this was two days before I turned 14 that my family got this call that this abusive individual who had been locked up for the type of life he had provided to me and my siblings and my my mom was now gone. And so two days before I turned 14, um, I get this information. And my mom, who's already been struggling for a few years, having lost the only other breadwinner in the family as far as my father was concerned, because even though he was a terrible person, at least some money he was able to put on the table through various businesses he would start and try to work through and, and maybe where I got some of the entrepreneurship bug that I have. But this provided me with a um, a pretty interesting base to say, 
that I needed to do something to step up. And at the time, in Austin, Texas, where I grew up, there wasn't much you could do at 14 years old for work. But I wanted to do something to help my mom. My mom asked if I could. So I ended up actually getting a job selling newspapers door to door. This was about two days after I turned 14. I found this job through some uh, employment opportunities, the job fair type of stuff that comes to your high school and says, hey, you know, we're doing this, that, and the other. So on my birthday's in April. It was right after, uh, right before the summertime. So people were in there recruiting. And so this newspaper company, Austin American Statesman, out of Austin, Texas, uh, gave me the opportunity to basically sell newspapers door to door after school and on the weekends. And it didn't pay anything but commission. And it paid, uh, I believe at the time, it was like $8 for a, a, a four-week subscription and $12 for a three-month subscription. Something absolutely ridiculous like that. Um, the real benefit of, of selling it door-to-door, though, was every time you sold one, you got points and those points accumulated to a $1,000 bonus. So that was really the nice thing was after you had sold, you know, for three or four months in a row, you'd get a nice $1,000 check. And at 14 years old, $1,000 might as well have been $10,000 to me. So I worked my tail off every single time I went out door to door. And it started to show. And I eventually was put in a situation where I was given other people to follow me around. So now at 15 and a half years old, I'm dealing with being the oldest boy in my family, leading my family members, trying to deal with getting over everything that my family had just gone through, going to school full-time, and then working a part-time job after work to the point that I would get home at night at some points in time when my brothers and sisters were already in bed. So being the salesperson that I was there and working for two and a half years in a situation where I had moved up into management and everything, working in training and selling and building a door-to-door based sales business, I got good enough at this that I was like, okay, I'm, I'm confident that I should stick with sales. It's what I should do. So in an act of foolishness to help my situation and family out as much as possible, I actually dropped out of high school. And so I don't have a high school d- diploma. I do have a GED. Um, so basically just a good enough diploma to get myself uh, through some of the paperwork and stuff to not basically get sued by the city of Austin back when I was a teenager. But what this did for me is it gave me the opportunity to move on. And so what I actually did it 17 years old with a GED was went and applied uh, to work for MCI, um, the same MCI of MCI WorldCom, right? And uh, MCI in Austin, Texas was a call center of about a thousand people. And this was a whole different beast than anything I had ever worked in before. I typically worked locally or on a smaller, uh, more transactional level, uh, working with customers one-on-one. This was a rapid-fire call center of bothering people while they're eating dinner and hanging out with their families to try to save them a little bit of money on that one random call they would make long distance. Uh, This was back right as cell phones were becoming more popular. So having to sell someone on the concept of keeping a home phone, keeping long distance, and still paying exorbitantly more for it than they should uh, was the job. 
And I got good enough at that job, I ended up moving into a pace setter role. And in this role, I was responsible for maintaining the same quota as a typical salesperson, as well as splitting my days between selling and training new teams of people that came through. So in the two and a half years that I was there, I had a new class every 30 days of about 45 people that would come through. And if you know anything about call centers, a class of 45 very quickly deteriorates to a class of 10. But still, over the time that I was just there alone, I had gone through training roughly 5,000 salespeople on how to sell over the phone. And just in this environment alone, I built a lot of different skills and things that I would end up using in the other jobs that I would do. And after I left MCI, I actually went and got an insurance license and sold life insurance and health insurance in the state of Texas. And I did this for an independent insurance branch that sold insurance for 45 other different companies and products and services and things like that. So an insurance broker, and I sold business to consumers, so my job was to uh, basically farm the internet for leads, then call the individuals who would go online saying, I want a quote for health insurance or life insurance for my family, call them, set an appointment to go out to their home, and then anywhere within a 250-mile radius of the downtown uh, zip code that we were in there in Austin, I was basically to drive there. Sometimes it would be San Antonio to Houston in the same day, and basically meet with the family, talk to them about what it is that they did, uh, what they needed, and if I had a policy that fit them, place that policy with them over underwrite it right there in the home. So doing this, uh, you had to have phone skills to be able to get into the home. You had to be able to have kitchen table skills to be able to sit with a family and discuss crucial and vital, uh, sometimes sensitive information even, and then use that information against them to sell them. And against them is a strong word, but I hope you catch my drift with the sentiment of the story I'm telling. But doing this, I put myself in a situation to, again, build more skills that I would take and, and move into my next venture. And in the two years there, being one of the top producers, it was very easy for me to sort of leave a small insurance firm and get a job in corporate America uh, doing some sales. And so being at MCI and doing these things before corporate America was something that had attracted me because I saw the income potential of being a business owner without having to take on the burden of building and running a business. So I found that to be something that was very attractive for what I wanted to be able to get across to people uh, through the skills that I had built. So now, by the time I'm 25 years old, uh, I find a company in Austin, Texas called Profit Fuel. And at this time, I'd been in the sales game for a while, and Profit Fuel had been one of the companies that had constantly popped up in the background. It was someone that was always recruiting, somewhere where I'd seen top talent come from before, somewhere when a top salesperson left a current business I knew of or had worked with, they were typically going to this business. So I had to find out what the hell was going on over there. So I ended up going and working there. And this company, uh, very quickly, in the six years I worked there, was acquired by Yodel, which was a very large online marketing company. Uh, we were also an online marketing company. And then Yodel was eventually acquired by web.com. I left before the web.com purchase, but I mention it because I think it's important for you to understand the trajectory of the types of talent that was needed to be able to accomplish multiple things at that job on a day-to-day -day basis. <clears throat> so being there for six years, 
I held lots of different roles in a business that obviously grows from a 25 to 30 person call center in Austin, Texas to being acquired by web.com. You've got to scale the business pretty interestingly, which means taking talent, constantly putting them where they're best for the business and not necessarily where they're best for themselves. So this business was brilliant about helping people to build what they called resumes um, from the from the inside. And so what they would do is they'd let you be in sales a little bit and customer service a little bit and win backs and really anywhere that you felt it was appropriate that you could best advance yourself and their business at the same time. And through this really interesting concept, I met a lot of really amazing and wonderful people. But what I, I learned more there than anything was how to approach the line with customers without crossing it. And when you're selling a small business, like the type of business I run, or probably yourself runs, a website and SEO and pay-per-click and, and any of the other marketing services that were prevalent at the time and maybe not so much used today and are substituted by other things, but it took longer conversations, deeper conversations. And I went from being in a position there where I sold smaller businesses that we had a great track record with to selling much larger businesses to eventually moving on and selling whole franchise systems. And so what I would do then would be selling not just one website to one individual, but selling 450 websites to 450 individuals all at the same time with one common payer. So over the course of my career, just through corporate America and these things and several other businesses that I didn't mention here just to save time, I ended up selling about $150 million in products and services to consumers, to small businesses, to large businesses, to Fortune 100 companies. And in doing this, I've built a lot of skills that allowed me to feel pretty confident that in 2013, I could step away from corporate America and start my own business doing something I'd really dreamed of doing since I was 18. And when I was 18 years old, I actually moved out and got an apartment and ended up moving in with another individual. And this other individual, still a very good friend of mine today, uh, was someone who uh, was going through some issues themselves in their life and had, and they were getting through those issues with a life coach. And I didn't have any idea what the hell a life coach was, but I thought the concept was interesting. And so for about two years, I was just obsessed. And every time she'd have a session with the coach, I'd ask her, tell me about the session. I want to know what are the what are the questions they ask? How did it go? What were things you did? And I ended up developing a real passion for this coaching thing, which is why anytime I was given the opportunity to train or coach in my career, I took it. Anytime I was given the opportunity to manage people, I took it. It's because I was sort of fascinated by what a leader could really do to someone if they did it correctly. What you could really share with people if you spent the time learning it. And this is all impacted a lot by a conference I went to when I was selling insurance. And I actually saw Brian Tracy on stage in Oklahoma City. And at 19 years old, I'm sitting around a room full of insurance people and one of the only people in the room that is not covered in gray hair, right? And it's just the industry. There's nothing wrong with it, right? This was this was the uh, late 90s. So this is just how the insurance field was. And Brian Tracy from stage said something that still to this day has 
changed my life forever and I have a blog about it on my website if you ever care to look more into it. But he basically starts talking about the value of reading and that the average student after high school or professional education reads only 0.83 books a year. And I had been out of school for a couple years and would admit that at this time I'd probably read two myself. So I was right on trend with what he was talking about. And he said, if you could spend the time to just read one whole book, not even 0.8 books a year, you'd be that much smarter than the average person uh, just out of formal education. And so I really like the idea of this. And he goes on to explain that if you read for about an hour a day in the morning and an hour a day in the evening, at the end of a week, you'd finish about one whole book and you would eventually get faster and faster. And not only would you get faster and faster, but you'd remember more and more. And a seasoned reader after about five years would have read about 250 books. They would be reading at the comprehension level of about 35% retention of new material. And they'd be in a position where if they had picked just one topic, and the topic he picked was coal mining, they'd be one of the leading experts on coal mining anywhere in the country. They'd be able to walk onto any job site anywhere in the country, demand any price that they wanted. Because if you're reading 250 books on the same topic from cover to cover, remembering 35% of what you read, you know end to end, what is that, 75 books? that you can easily start to rattle off information from. Now I'm looking around the room and most people are jotting down a few things and at 18, 19 years old, however old I was whenever I heard this, I'm thinking to myself, this is valuable information. I could start to do this now and by the time I'm 38, 39 years old, I could have spent 20 years pumping a book a week into my brain that I could use to develop myself and the people around me into amazing, valuable people. And this has now been my 12-year experiment, has been to pick up every sales book I can find, pick up every business development tool I can get my hands on, read every blog, everything. And I'll admit, a book a week is ambitious. (laughs) I've never actually read 50 books in any given year, even in the years that I listen to books, it just doesn't happen. But what I have done in the last 12 years is a little under 400, and that's not including blogs and things like that. And so all that information has turned me into someone that has the go-go gadget-like ability to recall information and call on stuff as it needs to be shared with people in the right manner. And so utilizing not only that, but the different coaching styles and speaking styles of some of the consistent and great individuals I saw in the practice, it's very easy for me to start to adapt and adopt some of these different things. So I spent my career doing this alongside managing teams and training individuals and coaching and motivating and coaching and motivating and coaching and motivating and selling and doing all of these things simultaneously to the point that when I stepped away, I knew I could start coaching and consulting effectively. And I started in 2013 with a business called Singularity. And Singularity was the original concept of what I was doing. And it was just like every other consultancy in the country. Uh, You do project-based work or you have a very high retainer. You charge a customer $3,500 to $4,000 a month to basically be on call for them in addition to a couple planned things here and there where you share with them whatever it is that you feel is going to help them with whatever it is that they're currently going through, okay? 
And this is great, right? And you can make a decent amount of money doing this. It's it's almost unfair how much money you can make because of the desperation that some businesses go to and turn to to get resources like this. So even underpricing some other individuals in the marketplace, I very quickly found myself with three, four, and five clients a year that were paying me more than I had ever made in corporate America, but I didn't really have a business, right? I had a couple friends that were basically supporting my perpetual unemployment. And that's and that's how I looked at this consultancy that I had because if a business is comprised of only four clients and those four clients at any point in time are splitting your revenue equally and one of them has a delay on a bill or can't pay you for 60 days or God forbid like I had happened, two of them had to cancel in the same month, you lose 25% of your revenue, 50% of your cash flow, 75% of your book of business. And in these situations, these are light switch customers. These are customers that are gone forever. And when they leave, they take the lights with them, right? And so I found myself in a situation where I was like, okay, this isn't the right way to do this. And I actually stopped that business, started another business with another partner. And we decided we were going to do coaching and consulting alongside recruiting. Okay. And what we were doing is we were using recruiting as our lead in to say we were going to focus on recruiting salespeople and business development people only. And in doing business development and salespeople only, we would be able to put me in place while he's doing the recruiting that would say, hey, I've got a guy who's going to come in, clean up your scripts, clean up your process, make your program a little more sellable. And in doing that, it'll be easier for us to recruit people. You won't have to pay them as much. All those benefits of having all those things in place for a team. And we did pretty good for about a year, but again, decided in the same scenario that we had light switch customers, and that always makes me nervous. So I we decided that it was best to sort of go back to running our own separate practices again, instead of sharing and splitting all the responsibility of trying to run one coaching company with two separate people. And so we split up, and when we split up, I stopped and just took a look at the market for about 60 days. <clears throat> said what the hell's not out there like what's not what's not in place for people today because it's great to be a coach where I'm helping someone who makes half a million dollars a year and they're going to pay me $75,000 to show them how to get to $700,000 a year right that's great and that pays a decent dividend for them and they break even in year one but paying 75 grand to a consultant to come in on a weekly basis and work with your team and develop your processes and do these things is a very narrow market there's not a lot of small businesses that are willing to bite off a chunk that big in order to invest in something as risky as consulting work. So I wanted to do something different. And so I've now had several different pricing models for my services that originally started at a high rate of $199 a month, which what which is what I felt was high for a membership-based service that allowed you to contact me the same way it does today, anytime you want to be able to get my uh, attention, my feedback, my advice, my opinion on whatever types of programs or uh, uh, systems it is that you're planning on putting in place uh, for salespeople, operations, customer service, anything that has to do with finding, acquiring, and keeping revenue, okay? And so for being able to, to do this, I found that there's a direct correlation between how much money people spend with me and how much they want to utilize the service. 
And so now after three years of the iterative place that I've been in, I've decided that at $349 a year, I've got a really good opportunity to build a business based on providing very valuable feedback to people in bite-sized chunks that allows them an opportunity to almost guaranteed make back that $349 plus some with just a few moments of my attention every week, month, quarter, however it is that you want to chunk that up, okay? And so for the last 20 years, I've gone from someone who has been in a position of stress and having to assist my family through a hard time and assist my mom and get a job and start working and being this full-time individual and moving through corporate America and moving through small businesses and moving through these certifications and these corporate acquisition programs and all these different things to be in a position today that I can tell you confidently that I know the difference between some of these these decisions you're ready to make for the business. Some of these things you're about to go through for yourself for the very first time. So whether you're a boomer and you're currently in a situation where your business has been doing great for years and now you find yourself having to compete in a digital age against other people who can do what you do better through the applications of new technologies and systems, that's something I help with. Understanding technology and how it plays into your business is a huge, important, critical strategy of anybody that's running a business in 2018, right? Whether it is a uh, marketing-related task that you want and you want to know what the ins and outs are, the statistics are, the strategies are, the current things that the best people in the industry that you compete against every single day are using, that's something I help with. Whether you're currently a millennial and you're wondering to yourself how you're going to stop the perpetual cycle of working for people who don't respect you, putting yourself in a situation where you're never going to be able to make as much money as you want because you happen to be tied to a generation like myself where people just instantly look at you and say, well, you're part of the lazy, no good, blah, 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 blah stuff that we have to listen to all the time because we're not the ambitious people that I want to show you millennials can be, okay? And so whatever the situation is, whether you are a salesperson, a small business owner, someone that's worked alongside me in the past in any of these positions I've been in before, I've spent my time intensely watching, reading, researching, and putting myself in a position to say, hey, I'm here for you anytime you want the help. And that's what my business is today. I think Zig Ziglar said it best when he said, you can get everything you want in life if you just help enough people get what they want. And that's exactly what I'm doing bite-sized chunks, little bit by little bit. I'm going to help you get what you're wanting, what you need, what makes you successful. And all I ask is that you give me the same opportunity to use a little bit of you to be successful myself. So whether you're a current client and you pay me, thank you. The fact that I was able to do everything I'm able to do is because of the fact that you support my business and the membership chunks that you do. I love and support every single one of your businesses as much as I can. If you're not talking to me as much today and you're getting feedback from me and you're feeling like you're being coached because of these podcasts, that's great, but I miss you. I want to talk to you. Call me, okay? If you're not someone that's currently a client of mine and you listen to this stuff, you can support my business without ever having to pay me a dime. I'd love a thumbs up. I'd love a share. Spread any of my content anywhere. The idea is with a guy like Kalani Thomas for a name, there's no reason people shouldn't remember it by the third or fourth time they hear it. So if you share, 
just three or four things over this next year that you find really helpful for the type of person you are in the position you're in, I, again, am happy to support you. If you're one of these people that I see your name constantly pop up on my social media as someone that shares my stuff and, and does what you do and you happen to need something and you want to call me one day for one 15-minute powwow, I'll be there for you the same way you were for me because helping enough people get what they want is what's going to help me get what I need. It's worked for me my entire life and there's no reason I'm going to stop now. So this this podcast, Airport Adjacent, it's for you, okay? Um, again, I currently live under the airport in Charlotte, North Carolina. So every once in a while, just in the background here, you'll hear a whisper of a flight of people going home or traveling or probably heading to a conference or hopefully uh, listening to this very podcast right now. So, um, so I want you to know that's what that noise is. Those are airplanes. That's what you've been hearing this whole time. And instead of using that as a weakness and saying, I can't podcast from home after I'm done with all my clients and all my selling for the day and everything I need to do because there's airplane noise was not going to hold me back from sharing valuable information with you. So I want to thank you very much for sticking with me on this. I know my podcasts are usually much faster. It's five to six minutes of information, tops. And I've asked you to stick with me today for 30. But it's because I want you to know who it is that you're actually listening to, who it is that's providing the information to you. I know we broke format here a little bit, but come back episode 14. Episode 14, I'm going to talk a little bit about cold calling and just the thing that's made me successful in my life and how you can start to use these same exact skills that people tell me every single day are dead to become better tomorrow and more successful than you currently are today. Thank you. I appreciate you. Come back and hear me soon.